Welcome to 42 Answers from Founders for Founders, a podcast series brought to you by Project A Ventures, the operational VC. My name is Rainer Berak, operating partner at Project A, and our guest today is Philipp Glöckler. Welcome. Welcome, Rainer. Thanks for having me. In this podcast, we talk to great founders and we ask them the exact same set of questions in the domains that we think matter tremendously for building a successful company. And these are tech, growth, people, data, and ESG. Philip, who are you, what do you do, and why do you do it? Um, I'm Philip. Uh, I'm a co-host of a podcast called Doppelgänger Tech Talk with the legendary Philip Klöckner, aka Pip. And uh, in the past weeks, I started a podcast advertising marketplace called Lollipod. And uh, this is what we will take as a case. So all the answers uh, that you will provide will be in relation to Lollipod. I, at the same time, invite you to, I mean, like you you have founded companies in the past. Um, you're very known in, in the startup scene. And uh, if you have any advice related to the questions that are not directly based on Lollipod, but on, on previous experiences, then please feel free to chip these in. Can you tell us more about Lollipod? Uh, what is it exactly and who is your target group? Yeah, sure. It's uh, a marketplace where advertisers or agencies can book native ads on podcasts. So uh, as a podcaster, I, I saw how the process is still very offline. I also try to advertise for uh, on different podcasts and was sent uh, emails with Word documents and Excel sheets and everything. And whenever I see Excel sheets, emails with a lot of CCs uh, and Word documents, I think the process can be streamlined. So in the past weeks, we just built from scratch an MVP where advertisers and podcasters can join. Um, and yeah, advertisers can look what podcasts work for them, can ask or request if they um, if their podcaster wants to advertise for them and we do the matching between advertisers and podcasters and this marketplace is basically following a b2b logic and on both ends of the marketplace right exactly so what we are currently doing is mostly focusing on inventory so on podcasts our goal is to have 100 podcasts on it as fast as possible and we see the advertisers now coming in already so we have one short example is for instance uh, we have a rap podcast and uh, a shisha online shop joined to advertise on them um, or we have some camping podcast and we see somebody who's doing uh, tents for cars joined so we already see that similar to the um, influencer markets where it went from very big stars down to micro uh, influencers. We now already in those couple of weeks see that this might also be a trend for in podcasting. Cool. Thank you for that. And now let's get started. People. If you would start a company today, what would be your first five hires? Uh, I would try to focus only to do three hire hires in the first six months. I thought, but let's keep it with, with five. So on a co-founder side, I always like to build companies with people that can do the job. 
So build the MVP, build the product. Um, I always work with people who who can actually build what I imagine. And then uh, on building the MVP or the first real product for me, design and copy is very important. So I like to work with good designers who can do a CI, who can do the user flow and everything. And also people who write copies, who, who do the text on the website and everything, who do the story story with me or with our team. And then if if you go to everything else, so number four, number five, number six, in our case, it's two things, uh, sales, 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 to build inventory, 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 um, and also to automate processes. So our goal is to have a very yeah, small company that is very automated and doesn't need too many people. So we rather learn and build something that can do the job than hiring, I don't know, 20 of people who do the job. And and were these your first five hires at Lollipot or the first three to six? And and is it what you typically see that, that companies succeed like going into that direction? Yeah, I think it's very hard to build a company when the founders can't build the product uh, and for us it is the way we're working i wouldn't consider it hires yet uh, we work with freelancers we like to work with um, but i think it's essential and i would never try to save money on design texts and building what's the most difficult to hire today or also to find good freelancers good question i think it's nowadays um well i Let's go back. I started my first company 2008 when it was easy to hire because everybody lost their jobs, more or less. And now it feels like it's peak hiring season. So everybody has a good job. It's hard, no, no matter where you go, it's hard to, to find, find people. Um, I guess developers is always hard. And that's also, I also kept that in mind, but building the product. I wanted to build something that we can build without too many developers. Uh, but yeah, and I have, I, I think I have one competitive advantage that is due to the podcast. I get a lot of outreach or people approaching me that they want to work with me. So um, that's, that's very, very luxurious. So everybody who's working on the product besides my co-founders as people from the network of our podcast. How do you measure employee satisfaction or how would you do it, I guess, if, if the company has grown more and, and, and you reach a size where, where it's not obvious and, and directly close to yourself? <laughs> yeah, I thought about that question a lot. It's uh, I talk to them and I'm very lucky that I don't have too many people for the moment. I think once you're above 10, 20 people, it gets hard. And questionnaires might help, um, and the processes that HR or people uh, managers are doing. For me, it's yeah, it's it's very very tough to 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 see, and sometimes uh, you get or you be surprised with stuff you read on the uh, on forums or wherever. Um, I think it's good for for founders to check uh, check in with with everybody, not just their their leadership team to see that uh, people are happy. And I, I, I like founders or managers who are very, very open, no matter uh, what, what position people are on. 
but uh, further on that, would you consider using one of their their number of tools on the market who help you to to measure employee satisfaction with an employee net promoter score? So there, yeah, quite a number of of solutions out there. Would you use this, or would you always try to solve it through direct interaction? I think if you do it with questionnaires, you you get you not always get the people who who are not happy um or at least not in the in the in the area where you can still improve you only get people who are very happy or who want to get the job done and people who are very frustrated who are already looking for different jobs but in between i think having coffee breaks or yeah talk to people uh, check do check-ins uh, might be a better job for that but but also i mean i'm always working in small teams so uh, i having 50 or 500 people is different so in that way you need to have those tools any ideas on how to best measure employee performance it's probably also on small teams it's uh, it, it, it's probably more obvious it, yeah but also on big teams i i, I like super transparent companies um i love working with okrs to have everything on there to see who's doing what and and when and also have a mentality that people try for something that is hard to reach um so if you really do work with okrs you can see how how people are stretching themselves to to achieve goals and i i would also always recommend to to do something like okrs in your organization especially when you're in those times where, where you really need to grow fast what's your favorite type of org chart how, how would you structure an organization as one boss and everybody is doing what he says now <laughs> uh, uh, yeah I, I don't know i like well-defined roles and responsibilities um so at lollipot we draw the line between product and sales so my co-founder is doing everything that related to product. I do everything related to sales. And then those two sides, we're 100% free. Uh, of course, we sit together and, and, and discuss and challenge, but uh, it's basically those two areas. And from that, then I would draw uh, as an OKR uh, sheet, basically to, 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 uh, yeah, to go through and... Hopefully, it will be never too big or too complex, uh, and have not too many things that 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 yeah work against each other. So um, keep keep it lean as possible, um, and try to yeah make everybody responsible for their for their own um, thing. What's your approach to culture? Eat your own dog food. Everybody needs to needs to use the product, love the product. Um, and try to stay as humble as possible. So um, try to learn as fast as possible. And if you have a product that that is liked, I think culture is very easy. So for, for Avocado Store, I think the culture, especially in the early times, was very very easy. Um, if you do, uh, yeah, if you do a product, I, I think culture is very hard once stuff doesn't work out, um, and then then it gets tricky. But my approach is always product first. And if people love the product, want to work with, with the product, uh, it's getting easier. Are you remote first or office first? I want to say freedom first, but let's say remote first. Uh, so um, it's, I think it's, it's 
very important to to meet on a regular basis. I, I also think for for creative work, it's very hard to do it remote. But I love being free and being able to to structure my time, my my day, my week, whenever or however I want. So for us, we have now basically we're three people now working on the product. And we have three different offices and work from home as well sometimes. So, uh, and we work in each other's offices. So uh, we have a lot of places to be creative. Um, once we do some hiring, um, I would have like an open open room for people to to join whenever they want and maybe have, yeah, every two weeks a meetup or something. But I, I really like, what I think the, the best thing Corona did to us was really questioning how we used to work and how we used to travel and have the freedom to, to work wherever. I just, this morning I talked to a, a personal assistant of a podcaster who's now in Italy and she started her business doing now personal assistance for various of people and being able to work wherever she, she wants to. And I think that's a great way to way of life. If you, have no commitments and if you can work that way so i, I would like to do that or have the same for for everybody who works for, with us or for us tech would you call lollipot a tech company i wanted to write yes or say yes but then i thought no it's a product company my co-founder is a product guy and he's good in product and i think we want to solve I think that the the now with all the no code and all of the the products that are out there now, things become less tech and more product driven. So you can find a solution now with tools that are available and make make a process better. So uh, yeah, we're a product company. So I guess if if I ask you product or development, who of the two is in the lead? It's product, I guess, right? Yeah, it's product and also product is describing every all the next steps. So it's all about the product. Who as a person or which function, which role should decide uh, what's developed next on the roadmap, uh, next feature, etc.? I hope my co-founder doesn't listen, but he can decide. <laughs> okay. How does the decision process work? Who should be involved? How, how should that be structured? Uh, for us now, it's trying to kill the pain points so uh, build an mvp and then see what really hurts so where are the the processes that are not 100 automated yet and it's basically always that we draw something we talk about something we build it we test it and then we iterate and that's always easy said um and there's some shortcuts in between but that's how we would love to to work so yeah see see um scribble a lot build a lot and test a lot a buzzword that is around really a lot and people understand it differently um is product-led growth um and i believe to have heard it here and there also uh, in your podcast actually uh what's your take uh, how does it work does it how how does it work for you I think, first of all, uh, it's a very good term and a lot of people made a lot of money by claiming it, selling books uh, and online courses. But jokes aside, if the product isn't that good, you won't be able to fix it with marketing. So the product needs to be, needs to not 
not go viral, but people need to recommend it. So the goal is to build product. Uh, and for us, it's priority number one, product and inventory. And everything else comes later. Which role does design play at Lollipot? First b big check we wrote to the designer. So uh, <laughs> priorities. Uh, I, I think it's nice. I, I think it's nice to have a have a nice logo, have a nice website. I think it, it also you can see when people um, invest in in design, and of course design evolves, so it it can always get better and better. Um, but I. A friend of mine once told me a while ago that the first person he would hire was a or would be always a designer, and I think he's right. Would you or do you, and not thinking so much about freelancers, but l larger teams, would you outsource software development? Would you hire, like, get an agency um, in a different country and and just say they take care of the actual development? No, I would not outsource anything. Not even creative work. Uh, I mean, working with freelancers is a little bit like outsourcing, but um, I would try to do as much as possible inside. And I think that's also a great time we have now that we can actually do it. We can we can hire people globally, but we can do everything we want by ourselves. Growth. If you think about the complete funnel from brand to marketing to sales to customer success, um, do you have or do you plan to have all these functions? Uh, yes and no. Uh, but for the moment, not. Uh, as I said, inventory and products. Later on, yes, but maybe not all of them. Um, I think, yeah, we go through them afterwards. But for me, brand is always hard to understand. I think marketing and sales is essential. And also customer success makes sense and, and needs to be done. If we focus on only marketing, sales, and maybe customer success, um, how do you see the structure among them? And do you see one of them being in the lead in the growth uh, cluster? Yeah, on the marketplace side, I would say sales is always more important to get inventory. Um, so on our side, sales has always priority. Mm, and actually also on the structure, um, would you in uh, on a marketplace... I, I, we see marketplaces where basically like both ends of the marketplace are taken care of by the same team. Would you split that or would you say that that has to come out of out of one marketing team, one sales team, et cetera? Yeah, for us, it's split. So the product guy is also doing the marketing bit and I'm doing the sales. How can you make sure that, I mean, like if you think about these functions, they, they build a funnel, right? And the moment, I mean, as you said, when things are great, everything's great. And if revenue doesn't come in, then it happens easily that, I don't know, sales blames marketing, that the leads weren't good enough and marketing blames sales that they didn't convert them good enough. How can you make sure that this doesn't happen, that they don't work in silos? Yeah, I would say, uh, say OKRs again to see that everything is well-defined for at least three months and, and then come up with better solutions. But yeah, it's, I mean, silos is the worst thing that can happen to your business, uh, that people just do their stuff without looking left and right. Um, but yeah, my answer would be OKRs for the moment. How important is brand for you? Uh, yeah, very important. I think brand is, is, is like, as culture, um, people can identify with it. I think Lollipop, 
is a fun brand and I like to do like small experiments with it now. But on the other hand, I don't really know what a chief brand officer is doing. So I, I thought I, I watched We Crash the past days and I, I thought, okay, what is this? What is really a role of a chief brand officer? And 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 how does it how is it different to maybe somebody who's leading HR or somebody who's leading marketing? Um, so I, 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 I'm not a brand guy, but I like having small, nice brands that people can relate to. Mm -hmm. Makes the next one difficult. Uh, how would you approach brand? I mean, how do you? I mean, you say it, it does have relevance. Um, not knowing what the what what the chief brand officer is doing, how how, how do you go about it? What how do you do it? Well just have fun so we'll see i mean uh, i think i'm not sure when this podcast is going to be released but i'm trying to to make sure that we are seen at the omr air without paying for it so um it, i wouldn't call it brand marketing it's maybe a little bit gorilla or um uh, or growth hacks okay We will publish this most likely on the 6th of May. So Ooh, okay. Spicy. Soon. <laughs> uh, which marketing channels do you use and why these specific ones? Well, currently we're doing everything that doesn't scale. So um, I, talk to, I talk about it at the Doppelganger uh, podcast, which is actually very, uh, looks like it's a fit because um, yeah, every third listener went to our website on the first day. Um, I write a lot of DMs, emails. I talk on the phone a lot. And then once we're happy with our inventory, uh, we will yeah, do everything we learned in the past 10 years uh, from the marketing poetry of uh, Dr. Florian Heinemann. <laughs> um, performance marketing, is it dead or is it dying soon? No, I think it's alive, but the uh, customer acquisition costs are exploding. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like, uh, yeah, well, a lot of underlying logics for the performance part is getting harder and harder with, I guess, with the rise of the platforms and uh, GDPR, et cetera. Yeah. Sometimes I look back at the nice time where we just copied what Zalando was doing on SEO <laughs> when it used to work, but yeah. those times are over. Salespeople. You do have salespeople or you will have salespeople, right? Yes. I think, yeah. I, I, I see us as a sales company. Or a product and sales company. So sales is now the first hire. Where do you find good digital savvy salespeople? You don't. <laughs> so what do you do then? <laughs> well, I was lucky enough that uh, two or three contacted us. Um, and uh, well, I'm looking around. And then once I need, once I see I need a little bit more I, I ask around but I also I like to target people I want to work with so um, I just go on LinkedIn and uh, and talk to them and uh, it worked with Pip I mean I I, I talked to uh, with him or I emailed him for for quite a while and uh, sometimes I'm lucky data how does data make lollipot successful it doesn't people do <laughs> okay um, do you have maybe up front? Uh, do you have a date? Do you plan to have a data team anytime soon, or do you have no. some already? I think uh, data people are probably even harder to get than developers. 
And uh, yeah, for us, I mean, we can read data. We like to work with data, but we use products that don't need to have any specific knowledge about it. So we're not planning to do a big data warehouse. We're not planning to do have any AI written anywhere in our documents. Um, we're, we're just very, very lean and work with everything that's on the market and can be used by marketing people. Okay, that actually, I think, requires us to jump over a few of the next questions. Um, unless you would, I mean, you, you know them. Is there any particular one where you say, this is something we can, we can jump into? Well, I would say uh, if you if you say where's the data located, everything is in the cloud and everything is very very open. Of course, personal data is somewhere else, but um, I like the fact that transparency is is key to to learn and grow, and that people can look at data. So everybody who joins the team can look in Google Analytics or wherever and see and and ask questions. And then on the GDPR side, the last question, you asked if it's a struggle or an opportunity. I, I think it's an opportunity. I always like if the resources are uh, scarce, if you need to be creative. And I think with GDPR, it's the same. So, um, of course, some business don't really work as, as good as they used to before, but it still helps to, to be creative. Environmental, social and governance. Why didn't you start an ESG company? <laughs> well, uh, I started Avocado Store when nobody gave a shit about the environment. So I think I'm quite good there. Um, at that time, everybody wanted to build a Groupon and just uh, get rich quick. And uh, I had another plan. Well, today I think it's the same. It's still the same. Um, but... ESG is a nice branding and people like or finally after Elon is now talking about it every week or every day, people think it's sexy to, to save the planet. Okay. Um, what does Lollipop do internally to in order to help the environment? Um, not too much. We, we try to make everything as lean as possible and have a small footprint. Um, make Make life simple and I believe that's good for the environment, uh, but we're uh, we're not here to to save the environment or to tell people to buy better products. Anything specific you do um, for supporting the social aspects? Maybe play fair and pay well. Mm -hmm. And how about governance? Governance is for for many companies the like in in the ESG field the the least crisp and clear um, to uh, like to put a finger on it which criteria can you see that you follow here mm, being transparent again having okrs sharing data but 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 yeah i mean thank god we're not uh, uh, we're not having any or we're not in stock and uh, and have to be uh, esg uh, For me, as a, like a founder of founding small projects, small companies, it's not really that important. Mm -hmm. And something that we see with quite a number of founders is that they wonder if a focus on ESG will rather help them get funding because investors just expect to see that from a from a startup, or 
if investors rather see this as a deflection from maximizing revenue. Um, what's your take? What's, what's your um, impression here? I think it's just like a brand, like Fairtrade, for instance. Just because you label your company of being ESG doesn't make it any better. And being like Fairtrade companies can be very good. The products can be very good, but they also can't. So I think ESG is for me very similar to this. It's not from the outside, you have a label, but from the outside, you can't really look in and see. And on an investor side, I think sometimes, uh, yeah, I would question if the founders take too much light on, on ESG. Um, first of all, they should like build good products and then do something. Um, but Yeah, it shouldn't be the main, main purpose. Do you plan on having an ESG officer at Lollipop no. at some point? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> okay. I hope, I hope we're never that big. <laughs> okay. Uh, last three questions. Which, probably besides Doppelgänger, is the one podcast all founders should listen to? Uh, yeah, I like sports podcasts. So uh, my recommendation today would be All American Tiger. It's about Tiger Woods, um, very well produced, 10 episodes about the rise and fall of Tiger Woods. Um, you can learn that every good sportsman or sportswoman has a crazy dad that forces them to be very successful in the early age. Uh, you learn how how lonely it is to be on top, how hard working they, do, they are. Um, that talent isn't always relevant, but it is, um, and that you can lose it all, uh, and maybe sometimes comebacks are, are possible. But yeah, it's a very well produced, and I like those uh, sport documentaries and like to see parallels between sports and, and entrepreneurship. Just wanted to say that I guess you recommend that to founders because there are exactly these, these similarities, right? Yeah, I, I think it's 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 a marathon, and um, I like for me, of course, because I don't have that many successes on my belt. But I like the the idea of uh, that success is just behind failure, and that you need to fail a couple of times to be successful. And I think with sports, you learn this in a very early age um, that uh, sometimes you you win, sometimes you lose, and you don't even know the difference between those two um and it's uh, yeah it's i th i always uh, look at sport and 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 get some some yeah a peacefulness or creativity out of it what are your top two pieces of advice for early stage founders uh number one take care of your cap table and number two launch as fast as possible okay Last question at my personal growth hack for this podcast. Who are the two other founders that I should ask this set of questions and you can make an introduction for me? Yeah, very good growth hack. Um, maybe Matthias from Ostrom uh, and Florian, who's building Aware now. He used to be the founder of I Am. Okay. Well, then thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Philip. Um, very insightful. Um, I wish you all the best for the further journey um, with Lollipot. I'm also looking forward of having you at the Project A Knowledge Conference with your podcast, actually, um, and hope to speak to you soon. And thanks to the audience for listening in, and I hope you stay and stick with us and you're back next week. Well, thanks a lot. Um, 
good growth hack. And if you like the the podcast, please uh, hit the subscribe button and give a give a five star rating. See you, Reiner. Thank you. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating.